Welcome to Love Your Local Larder, a podcast that celebrates local produce with the people who grow, cook and share it. I'm Susie Miller and I'm passionate about all the amazing ingredients we have here in Scotland and the UK. Here on Love Your Local Larder, I get together and chat with some of our incredible growers and producers, as well as the chefs and enthusiasts who showcase their products, sharing their inspiring stories and tasting their delicious food as we go. Welcome to this week's episode of Love Your Local Larder. I am here in Haddington on a rainy day and as soon as I stepped into this store I was just hit with the smell of so many cheeses. Um, we are with Svetlana at the, um, her store called The Cheese Lady um, and we are here to talk about all things cheese related so I hope you enjoy. Hi Svetlana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hi, Susie. Great to be here. No, I'm so glad that um, you agreed to come on because we've actually been working together for a few years. Um, I think you were one of our first customers. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I think you were because um, I I can't even remember how we got in touch with each other in the beginning. I think maybe a friend of a friend told me about you because they were raving about your cheese shop. Oh, quite possibly. Yeah, (laughs) but you weren't always in Haddington. So how did how did everything start for you? Oh my goodness, how far do you want me to go back? So, so far. I love the long stories. They're great. <laughs> great. Well, uh, my career in cheese, as I call it, spans over 20 years now. Oh, wow. So I started working in cheese in New York City. Oh, uh, where really? I, yes, oh, I, I found myself I living. Uh, I went to university in America. Okay. And I studied actually international relations, so nothing to do with yeah. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same as everyone, though, isn't it? I studied law. So oh, there are. you go. <laughs> there you go. So I loved it, actually. But then when I graduated and moved to New York, which uh, was super fascinating for me, and I love New York, I loved being there. And I just loved the food scene. And that's where I was starting to become a real foodie. Yeah. In my life, I came across fine cheese and fine cheese as farmhouse and artisan cheese. And I just kind of fell into that by more or less an accident mm-hmm. and I never looked back. And then fast forward a few, year, a few years, I ended up in Scotland just uh, through my personal life. Oh. But I brought my dream of setting up uh, a cheese shop with me. Oh, that's lovely. That's that's so, how that's so how happened. long did it take you from when you first started learning about cheese to when you, because it was 2017 you opened this store? So this store no. is my second store. Oh, that's right. I had one my store first store I opened in 2010. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. you had it for such, you had it, and that was in St. Andrews? That was in St. Andrews, yes. Okay, so you had that for seven years and then you came here and you've been here ever since? Pretty much, yeah. So what is it about cheese that you love? Oh, goodness. Where do I begin again? I mean, cheese is just fantastic. It's a great uh, food uh, stuff. It's not only good for you because it does have uh, loads of good things in it. Um, Proteins, good fats and uh, fats that we just need in our lives. So Mm -hmm. it is a good uh, food, but also it brings joy. Mm -hmm. It's something that we need in our life because we are all so stressed. Uh, We need to unwind sometimes and just to sit down and treat ourselves to something super delicious. So that's another thing. And what else I love is that when you're sitting around a cheese board, that's when the best conversations yes. happen. Yes. <laughs> you so connect true. with your favorite people, you can linger. And I think because of all these aspects, I just love cheese. And there's always something new to learn. Mm-hmm. So for me, learning never stops. Mm-hmm. 
I will never, I, I think, will come to the point when I'll say, oh, I know all cheese. Mm -hmm. Because there's always new cheeses coming to market, new things happening. Even the cheeses that we stock and have stocked for years and learn new things about. So yes, it's all of that. It just makes me so fascinated by it and love it so much every day. Yeah, so I have gone on a cheese journey of late, just talking to loads of people about cheese. And I just cannot believe the history that is there and that like every single I mean I can believe this because when I look at honey it's sort of similar but like every single country has their kind of origins of why cheese was set up and um you know like Gran Canaria it's too hot there for milk any milk so as yeah. soon as the milk came out of the cow they turned it into cheese because there was no way that they would have been able to keep Yes. keep it back then when mm -hmm. there was no snow refrigeration or whatever um and and then in Scotland it was a way for us to keep um proteins and and sort of good stuff going into our bodies over the winter period yes um but then now there, i just love the fact that it's become this kind of like every single country had their sort of origins but then they've turned it into this completely different thing they've got a different take on it or they add a different type of um mm -hmm. flavoring into each yeah. one or they package it differently or they do, mm -hmm. now even more than that you can put it with something yeah. and that's a that's a variation as well mm -hmm. so there's like so many avenues totally go down yes yeah, endless it is it's a timeless food type and yes it just i don't think it'll ever stop fascinating us and exciting us yeah yes that's amazing so what is the trend is there a trend happening at the moment in terms of cheese is there something new that's happened in the couple past couple of years that people are doing that you're noticing well i think in general if we think about british cheese making um cheese making and i'm talking about farmhouse and artisan cheese making yes. is on the rise in britain okay. which is super exciting and i would say that's a trend which so i'm really what embracing is that what is farmhouse and artisan cheese I'll, I'll try to simplify that as much as personal as, as possible but essentially I know these terms can be just kind of thrown around sometimes and not really legally defined but when I'm talking about farmhouse and artisan cheese making it's the kind of cheese that's made on a small scale when there's a human involvement mm -hmm. so not just the machines control yeah controlling the process but there's a human involved uh the milk is great and wholesome cheeses are matured properly and slowly so there is no cutting of the corners the cheese is full of great nutrients so all mm -hmm. the proteins the fats uh, vitamins and minerals and so on and um each cheese can actually tell a story so mm -hmm. that kind of cheese will have terroir but between the farmhouse and artisan cheese, farmhouse cheeses are made when a farmer has their own source of milk and they are also the cheese maker. Yes, okay. So milk never leaves the farm. Yeah. Whereas artisan cheeses are made when milk comes from elsewhere. Okay. So the cheese maker doesn't have their own milk. They find it from nearby farms. And nearby farms is actually quite a key concept as well. So milk doesn't travel very far. Yes. It's sourced locally, but it's not the cheese maker's milk okay oh that is fascinating i did not know that do you know what is then in that case the opposite of that so opposite would be mainstream cheeses so we have an issue within the honey world that there's like almost like a two-tier of honey so mm -hmm. you've got mainstream honey that is questionable mm -hmm. as to whether or not uh, whether we can call whether, it honey <laughs> well I, I think it is honey but it's certainly not been matured a lot of it's not been matured in a hive and possibly some places are have added some things into it or whatever it is 
so that then means that there's a, an issue for artisanal producers like us um, because we're trying to compete against pricing yeah. with something that is very different to what we do. <laughs> is that the same for cheese then? Because how does the consumer know when they go into a supermarket which is an artisanal and farmhouse? Like, do you ha- Is there a regulation there? Or... Right. So the third variety of cheese, broadly speaking, for me, is the industrial cheese industrial, yeah. or mass produced. So those yeah. can be used interchangeably. And to make industrial or mass produced cheese, milk has to travel for very vast um, distances. And therefore, as a result, as a result, milk has to be pasteurized yes. or sometimes sterilized to keep it safe. So yeah. we're not killing anybody. And <laughs> <laughs> what that does is that it kills flavor. Mm-hmm. So when we start pasteurizing mm-hmm. and sterilizing milk, our main ingredient in cheese is not going to end up bringing something as flavorsome. Okay. Because all of that um, microflora in milk is what gives us the fla- yeah. flavor eventually. Yeah. So therefore, farm, uh, farmhouse and artisan cheeses will always be more flavorsome, more complex and better for you than industrial cheeses. Okay. So, but when you go to supermarkets and it sometimes can be a little bit hard to tell because some supermarkets do sell some artisan cheeses, yes. for instance. But the main difference normally would be is how long they're aged and okay. what type of producer they come from. Okay, and how would you know? How can you know that? Does well, it say it on them? Do you have to say it on packaging or not? It's quite safe to assume that's going to be the case. Okay. It's not probably going to save on the packaging, but... Um, when we even look at Conte's and things like Osoirati in the supermarket, you can visually see they're lighter in color, they haven't been matured for as long, and they've probably been made in a larger facility than yeah. the artisan producers yeah. that you will find in smaller artisan specialist shops. Yeah. So if you think you prefer to go just for farmhouse and artisan cheeses, it is safe to go to specialists like ourselves, yes. like all the other cheese shops around the country. And that's where you'll definitely find better quality cheeses from smaller producers, yeah. matured longer with more flavor. Oh, great. And so if you were to sit around a cheese board, then what would you, what would be your ideal products? It's actually, it's nearly Valentine's Day. So let's talk about Valentine's Day. If you were to put out a Valentine's day board what would be the best types of cheese and maybe other accompaniments to put on the board right that's a great question and i don't know if i want to be really hung up just on the fact that it's valentine's day but i'll try to maybe give it um everybody kind of general guidelines uh, when it comes to cheese board so what i look for when i'm composing a cheese board is variety Mm -hmm. so i want to have a few different textures uh, milk types, aromas, flavors. So I want to mix it up. I don't want it to be kind of all the same. Yeah. So therefore, um, for a nice cheese board, I would start with at least three or maybe four or five different cheeses. Okay. So three minimum, but five is a really good number. Okay, great. Because that gives you more scope for variety. And usually, and it's still very classic and still very much um, usable and don't deviate from that i think you should start with a soft cheese because they're kind of the lightest in flavor they're very seductive they're very creamy and they work with um kind of lighter wines maybe sparkling wines for valentine's day and if i'm thinking specifically for valentine's day now i would definitely recommend going with something like a triple cream 
Okay, I don't think I even know what that is. So triple creams are like brie's, but they're enriched with cream. So it makes oh. them very buttery, very luscious wow. and decadent. Mm. And that works really, really well with sparkling drinks. Okay. So that makes them very moussey and just kind of lifts the whole thing up. For the second cheese, I would be thinking now, if my triple cream is cow's milk, I would probably want to introduce maybe a goat's milk. So, and I would be thinking maybe like a Gouda. So there's a great um, British cheese called Rachel, and that's a goat's milk Gouda. So I would oh, wow. put something like that on the cheese board, and that gives us another flavor and moves us in the increasing direction of flavor. So it'll have stronger. a bit stronger, yeah, a bit okay. more complexity. For the uh, third cheese, I'll be probably thinking to go to the Alps. Ooh. So also we're mixing up different countries. So if the first one was from France, the second one from Britain, for the third one, I would go to Switzerland. So, and one of my absolute all time favorites, um, Appenzeller or something like a Gruyere. So to be oh, wow. um, speaking uh, everybody's language. So Gruyere or an Appenzeller, they're very Appenzeller. nutty. Appenzeller. Yeah. Appenzeller. Yeah. <gasps> I need to try one of these. I don't know this one either. <laughs> So Appenzellers come in different maturities. We stock six and nine months. So the nine months is creme de la creme. Wow. And that's just super nutty. It has a little bit of a crunch, super complex. You can have it with sparkling wine. You can have it with white wine, red wine, very versatile. Wow. So that's my third cheese. For the fourth one now, I'd like to introduce a sheep's milk. So this is great. So we've got a couple of the, couple of cow's milks, a goat's milk, and now a sheep's milk. Yes. Amazing. And I would circle back probably to Scotland. Interesting. <laughs> Come home. And I would be thinking something like Coraline. Okay. So that's from my most favorite producers in Scotland from Errington Cheese. Oh, wow. um, they have their own sheep and goats. And Coraline is their sheep's milk cheese. So it's like a cheddar. It's nice and mature, matured for a minimum of 12 months and has this lovely crumbly texture and mm. nice and nutty. Oh, wow. That sounds so good. So amazing. Maybe we can try that today. And um, with the fifth cheese, I would be finishing on the big note. Nice blue cheese. Mm. You have to have a blue cheese. You have to have a blue board, cheese. Exactly. And which is the best? <laughs> which one's the best? Oh, my goodness. Well, the best one for me... I mean, they're all fantastic. Oh, yeah. But if you wanted to really kind of go for creme de la creme, Roquefort Vieux Berger. Oh, wow. There is nothing like it. I mean, there. Why do you think that is? What is it they do differently? That's a really great question. And <laughs> they, they, don't do... Tell <laughs> they do things differently. So, Vieux Berger is the smallest producer mm -hmm. of all Roqueforts. There are seven producers of Roquefort, and they are the smallest. So, very much a family run enterprise. And they do things traditionally, authentically. They don't cut corners. And most importantly, their Roquefort is never sold in a vacuum pack. So we cut it from the wheel here in the shop. Amazing. And it just keeps the texture and the flavor. And it's just how it oh, should be. Oh, lovely. That's so nice. So what, something like Roquefort. Okay, so with them then, what would you put, what else should go on a cheese board? Should it just be traditional, just, you know, crackers or, you know, oat cakes or something like that? Or do you like to add more bits and pieces? There are different ways to look at that. And I mean, depends on the person really. Yeah. I think this is where it comes down to personal taste. Yeah. Some people do like lots of bits and bobs on their cheese yeah. board and that's absolutely fine. If you like to have fresh fruit and I don't know, crackers, and if you can find any fresh baguette, um, celery, grapes, anything that you love, that's absolutely fine. It's your cheese board. You just kind of enhance it the way you want. 
when it comes to my taste i try to go normally for kind of plainer things so i don't overwhelm the cheese and cheese is full of flavor usually when yes. it comes to farmhouse and artisan cheeses so i just don't want to mask that flavor um i usually go for something like buttermilk crackers yep and that's usually for palate cleansing really yep. it's not to have with my cheese it's just kind of to cleanse my palate between the cheeses i also love um quince or membrillo i love quince so it's just nice and sweet it just kind yeah. of adds that sweet something but yeah it depends on how you feel um there are other things you can have savory things like medzi and different patties and things like yeah. that so it's all delicious so whatever you like there is no hard and fast rule you yeah. just have it so sitting beside me though is not a cheese <laughs> but a bottle of melina how you yes. call it mm -hmm. and it's an artisan honey wine but i also know that you produced this and you make it how did that come about uh i came across this product by accident and that's how most things happen yes, don't they? <laughs> most great things happen i just discovered it um and i fell in love with it instantly because i thought this would be fantastic with cheese yeah we must sell it at the shop so melina is a honey wine and what um I love about it, aside from the great flavor and complexity and all of that good stuff, it's very natural. There's mm -hmm. nothing added to it. It's just honey, water, and yeast alchemy. Amazing. And that's what creates the wine. I don't like to call it meat because meat has maybe a little bit of a shady reputation these days. It's a shame, isn't it? Because actually meat is like one of the most, the oldest uh, yes. things to exist alcohols i think it's the first ever alcohol is it not? yes it, it is one of the most or the most ancient alcohol in the world but yes meat is a little bit shady these days but honey wine and i do like to liken it to wine is something a little bit different it's more refined mm -hmm. it um has such a complex flavor so our melina if you had to compare it to something in your mind would be like a dry sherry or a vanjon oh amazing and that works just so nicely across the cheese board so this cheese board that i offered earlier i think that would work really really nicely with all these cheeses and what's your plan for are you gonna are, are you taking this sort of countrywide the honey wine or is it just for the store well at the moment we sell it in a few distributors our stores okay. locally some uh, farm shops and such including our store and online but yes the goal is to take it nationwide eventually oh, yes we have good uh, big plans you've actually written two books on cheese which <laughs> i didn't even don't even think i knew that that's what you'd done that's I, amazing i did uh the first book maybe is not very useful in this country because it's in my native language okay that's <laughs> why i had to write the second book because my <laughs> customers have been pestering me uh, for it so yes the second book came out a couple of years ago and it was really um a labor of love and I wrote it during the pandemic, so oh, I do have to thank the pandemic for giving me that time to finally sit down and put my thoughts on paper. Oh, good. And um, it, it's a great little book, and it talks a lot, obviously, about cheese, and it just kind of helps you to understand uh, farmhouse and artisan cheeses better, um, how to tell them apart, how to understand them, how to appreciate them. But the central question that I'm trying to answer with my book, and that's one of the most frequently asked questions here in the store, and it'll probably make you giggle, is how I manage to stay fit when I work with cheese yes. all day. <laughs> okay, so um, Svetlana has kindly 
laid out the five cheeses that we've just been talking about for the cheese board and we're going to go through them and try them uh, also maybe we could talk about what wines might go with them as well um let's so do that. that you've got the perfect cheese board for whatever occasion it is that you're looking for so number one was the Delice de Cremier, De- so oh, it's a triple cream from France. Triple cream from France. Now, what? How do you cut cheese on a cheese board? Because I've obviously got a knife here, Are, and everyone is always like, "Oh, you're not allowed to cut the nose, or you're not supposed to cut it this way or that way." Is that true? The nose thing <laughs> drives me a little bit crazy. Yeah. I think it's such an old-fashioned thing. Okay. Uh, what you want to bear in mind when cutting cheese is that it's fair, so everybody gets the same amount yeah. of cheese uh, from the center to kind of the outer parts to the rind. Okay. So when you cut cheeses for cheese board or cheese plate, just kind of try to think um, how much rind people will end up with. So if we start cutting this wedge of Delice de Cremier from the center towards the rind, yep. somebody will end up with all the rind, which is oh, not fair. Yes. So I would cut it either kind of like um, Diagonal? diagonally from the center. Oh, I love it. Okay. Or just kind of in half. If this piece is to be used for two people, you can just cut it in half and everybody and has the same okay great I'm so glad you've explained that to me because honestly I find sometimes I can find I find it a bit stressful especially if you're with older people yeah. you're like am I allowed to cut it like that or not? <laughs> okay so well I, I'd like to encourage everybody not to be too stressed actually there is no such thing as the cheese police so nobody's <laughs> gonna burst into your house and just say you're doing it all wrong just enjoy the process if you do something a little bit wrong um not a biggie yeah okay, okay. Cool. <laughs> and do I eat the rind on this one on this one you can definitely eat the rind so okay. this cheese is like a brie for everybody to imagine visually. It has a white rind, which is a little bit mushroomy. Mm-hmm. So when you smell it, yeah, you get it a, is. a it light is mushroomy. Really mushroomy aroma. And inside, it's not going to have a strong aroma because it's quite a young cheese. It's a nice creamy cheese. It will be nice and buttery. Mm. It's so buttery. <laughs> it's like melts on your tongue. So imagine having this That's kind amazing. of cheese with bubbles. Mmm, that'd be lovely. So if you have quite a lot of uh, triple cream on your palate, it might feel like a little bit too rich. But when you add acidity and bubbles, that kind of lifts the whole experience. Oh, that's amazing. So we, I did a podcast actually with Blackthorn Salt. Mm. And they were talking about how if you have a really good quality salt, what it's there for is to actually enhance the flavor of the other stuff. Yes. So with cheese... I guess you're trying to enhance the flavor of the cheese, though. and Or are you trying to enhance the flavor of the stuff that you've got with it? Mm. Oh, that's chicken and egg, isn't it? That's an interesting question. And what I'd like to say to that is that we are looking for harmony. Oh, nice. We are looking Balance. for a third flavor, ideally. So if you think of cheese and wine bringing two separate flavors, yep. when you marry them together on your palate, they should create or they can create, I suppose, a third flavor. And that's like the holy grain that uh, we're looking for. Oh, that's amazing. They won't always create a third flavor, but ideally they won't clash. Okay. So when we talk uh, about pairing cheeses and wines, there are three scenarios that can happen. If cheese and your wine clash on your palate, they are foes. Okay. Not a great experience. Yeah. Uh, when they kind of sit together nicely, they don't necessarily create a third flavor. They're friends. Yeah. And that's the majority of pairings, actually. 
okay. out there. And when they do create a third flavor, they're lovers. Oh, that's lovely. I've never heard of that before. Yes. And that's what I love doing with my cheeses and wine. So it's not just about the cheese or the wine anymore separately. Mm-hmm. It's about looking for that special experience of yep. finding harmony on the palate. And when I say on the palate, I literally mean blending them together in your mouth. So not okay. swallowing the cheese first and then adding your wine, blending them together. Okay, so having what, wine in your mouth and then putting a bit of cheese or vice uh, the, versa? the other way around. Cheese in first and then a little a little sip of wine. Yes, correct. <gasps> so mush it I up. I would have thought to do that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, every day is a school day. Yes, it really is. <laughs> so add a little bit of that cheese to your palate, mush it up, and then add a little bit of wine. Don't drown it, yep. just a little bit, and then close your eyes and see what happens. Oh, I love it. That's great. I wish I wasn't driving today because then I could do the <laughs> wine. It's a proper thing. You can do it on the weekend. <laughs> now, obviously, can I, should I use this in the same night? Um, just for the purposes of the presentation. Okay. <laughs> so like this kind of diagonal Yes, again? you can do that. Okay. So this one is, sorry? So this one is Rachel. It's a goat's milk gouda. Okay. Oh, it's actually really quite a strong smell. Like it's, um, because gouda sometimes doesn't smell so strong, does it? Exactly. And this is where we are now immersed in the world of farmhouse and artisan cheese. Yeah. Yes, they all have nice complex aromas and flavors. When people come to uh, cheese shops and they say, I want something strong, I sometimes don't think they realize all of these cheeses are naturally complex. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily need to add something like chili peppers to make cheeses taste strong. Mm -hmm. They all offer that complexity uh, slash strength but in their own ways. I really love the taste of this because you can taste that it is goat's cheese, but for people that don't like goat's cheese, it doesn't taste like goat's cheese. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> so a good way like, to put it. As I'm eating it, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I can't taste the goat's cheese. I'm like, oh no, there's a hint there, but it's, yeah. it's no way, because I really like goat's cheese, but mm-hmm. I know lots of people don't. Yes. But it's just so, actually it's got, sorry, I've just, it's got a really like long-lasting aftertaste. That's exactly it. You yeah. hit the nail on the head. And it doesn't need to be overwhelming and bite you anywhere in the mouth. It's just all about the nuance and complexity. And like you say, goat's milk cheeses can be a little bit tricky for people. Yeah. And there is this perception that goat's milk cheeses will be very farmyardy yeah. and maybe a little bit uh, too much for some people. But I think a good way to start your goat's milk cheese journey, if you're a little bit in doubt about them, is with something like a goat's milk gouda. Okay. So Rachel is a fantastic one. There will be other goat's milk goudas from Holland. So you can explore. And normally they will be kind of more nutty and mm-hmm. kind of caramelly. So very gentle and a good way to start with goat's milk. Oh, loved it. And what would we pair with this one? So with this one, we can have... A medium bodied wine and it doesn't matter whether it's white or red okay. because uh, like you said this cheese is super complex and does have a good long flavor so we just need to match the intensity of the wine not too heavy a wine but kind of medium body okay would be nice okay amazing okay so we're moving on to the third one and it, it now if it's a skinny piece like this where would i cut I'm assuming this is just one person piece. So Fine. in this case, like you this. just start wherever okay, you want. I can just put the whole yeah. thing in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and sorry, this was which one again? So this is the nine Ooh. months Appenzeller. It smells lovely. <laughs> I don't like to play favorites with my cheeses. Yes, it's a little bit b- beef bouillon yeah. kind of thing going yeah. on 
meaty, nutty, delicious. But Appenzeller Adele Wurzek is one of my kind of all-time favorites. I love to go for it whenever in doubt. And I just know that people love it. It's a great it alpine cheese. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that actually might be my favorite. So it's really strong. Complex, yeah, mm. oh, absolutely. Is it complex? Is that what I mean, strength is just a bit of a personal thing. So mm. yes, if you find it strong, that's absolutely fine. Um, but what I'd like people to bear in mind is that strength is a personal thing. Yes, some people can eat chilies without flinching. No, right. Others are just a little bit more gentle on their palate. So therefore, yeah, we t talk in terms of complexity. complexity. It makes your tongue tingle. Does well, it? it makes my tongue tingle. Yeah. Anyway, amazing. Like it's really made my tongue sort of feel different feel <laughs> alive or yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's the spicy and um oniony yeah that kind of what you said the beef bouillon bouillon yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what it amazing. is amazing oh, really and that's um what's mind-boggling about this cheese and uh, all of these other cheeses we're trying tonight uh today is that they are just milk starter cultures mm -hmm. rennet and there was nothing added there was no beef bouillon added there was nothing else added just those flavors completely developed naturally that's amazing through maturation through careful cheese making and that's what's just so fascinating it is so fascinating and what wine oh for this one uh we can go a little bit heavier on the body when it comes to wine medium to full bodied um whites will still work but if they're a little bit oaked I yep. personally love an oaky Chardonnay, but mm. I know a lot of British people don't. But if you're ready to go there with this cheese, you might be converted. Okay. So an oaky <laughs> Chardonnay or a nice red wine. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Number four, which is? So this is Coraline, a sheep's milk cheese. Yes. Okay. From Lanarkshire, uh, made by Errington Cheese. So this is made like a cheddar. You'll see okay. in... It feels like a cheddar as well, yeah. Especially if you uh, smell the rind as well. It'll mm. be a little bit earthy. It's really earthy in a lovely way. Yes. In not overwhelming way. No. Yeah. But you'll see also now, if you pay attention to the texture on your palate, it's a little bit more crumbly, mm -hmm. unlike Appenzella, which mm -hmm. was a lot smoother. And yeah, that's where it's more like a cheddar. Mm. It also like takes a while to break it down, mm -hmm. even though it's crumbly when you're actually chewing it, when I'm chewing it anyway, it's taking a while for it to kind of break down, you know, whereas the other ones are much smoother. Yes. This is like, do you know, this is kind of like, it's kind of like um, crystallization in honey, you know, mm. that way when you sort of break things down. Takes a bit takes more a chewing. While. But, but then the flavors though, because of the chewing, the flavors start to come out for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And that's mm. probably because now this is our hardest cheese. Out of the four we've tried so far, what I've done is I increased the um, firmness of the texture okay. so far. And when we get firmer, the kind of flavor and aroma increase okay. due to concentration. I love it. But there's going to be a bit of a change in texture with our fifth cheese because it's going to be creamy. Okay. It's a blue. It's strong, but it's creamy. Okay. Again. I'm excited. <laughs> Oh, sorry, what wine with the fourth one? So with the fourth one, uh, generally speaking, and this is kind of a, a bit of a rule of thumb, if you will, with mature sheep's milk cheeses, I always tend to go for red wine. Okay. That's a no-brainer, nice medium-bodied, or depending on the maturity of your cheese, you can go full-bodied even. But for this Coraline, something medium-bodied and red would be perfect. Okay. 
Okay. So the rock four. So the rock four vieux berger. Oh, sort of. It even melts on the knife. <laughs> <It's> amazing. <laughs> so when you try it, uh, now you're okay. smelling it. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a nice mushroomy aroma. But on the palate, what you will see is that um, it's very velvety. It's just so smooth. It's so smooth. I thought the first one was smooth. This is so smooth. <laughs> it's such a lovely blue because it's not actually ridiculously complex. It's quite nice and I don't know. Uh, yeah. No, I, no, I take that back. It's complex. <laughs> it opened up. <laughs> it's one of these ones that sort of like you're like, oh, okay. And then it just develops in your mouth mm-hmm. over time. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely complex. <laughs> I completely do. I can almost see your face like, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, Give it a moment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It does open up. And um, we didn't actually give enough time to this uh, for these cheeses to open up because normally you would have at least 30 minutes to an hour to bring them to room temperature. Oh, okay. So that's what you're to do. Put them out, leave them for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh. What you want to do is to open up their flavors. Mm-hmm. So room temperature temperature is the best for enjoying cheese if you take them straight out of the fridge they're kind of closed if you imagine butter it doesn't taste as strong as it will be at room temperature same with cheeses but kind of word of advice there while you're bringing them to room temperature cover them with something because if they are open to elements they will be also drying out at the same time and when you lose aroma you also lose flavor so what do you cover them with like a mesh if you have a lovely cloche, you can just pop the cloche on. Okay. If you don't, a piece of foil. A foil, okay. Yeah. And so foil won't stop it from being, it'll still bring, I suppose it would bring it to room temperature because yeah. it absorbs heat, doesn't it? Okay. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Something like foil will be absolutely fine or even a towel if it's not too sticky or cheese. So oh, so I don't think I ever would have done that. So that's fascinating. I feel like I have learned so much today. <laughs> um, so what would you pair with a blue or a rock four? Well, with rock four in particular, for a life-changing experience, I do recommend Sauterne. What's Sauterne? Sauterne is a dessert wine from <gasps> France. Oh it's a white grape type of wine, and um, it's invaded by this bacteria that sucks out the moisture out of the grape, and kind of the grapes become raisin, and that concentrates the sugars and creates this most amazing dessert wine. Oh my goodness. So that and Roquefort together, for me, was a life-changing experience. That was one of my tastings that I did back in Murray's days, and I just was a convert. I didn't used to enjoy sweet wines back then, but when I tried Sauterne and Roquefort together. together, it just made all the sense in the world that's amazing so if you haven't tried Roquefort and Sauterne I definitely recommend with that going with that first but other similar wines like Montbaziac or anything else made with a white grape and in the sweet category would be lovely okay that's fascinating one one for you what would you put with our honey because you obviously sell our honey. So what, which what, one, which what honey? cheese? Oh, good point. Let's go with the heather honey. Which type of cheese would you put, put with that? Right. Heather honey is quite an intense it's flavor. Complex, yeah. Super complex. So I would be thinking to match that intensity oh, interesting. with the cheese. Okay. For, it's one of the ways to think about it. So I would be thinking like a mature cheese, for instance, if we look at our cheese board, either Appenzeller or Coraline. Okay, interesting. So a mature Alpine cheese or mature sheep's milk cheese. Okay. Right? Or a different way to think about it would be maybe to 
juxtapose things salty and sweet so if you think of a salty blue yes and contrast that with the sweetness the of sweet the honey, honey that would work as well oh lovely mm-hmm. oh honestly i cannot thank you enough i have just i feel like first of all i've tasted these delicious cheeses but i feel like i now feel confident to put together a cheese board with matching wines for um for friends and family so um i'm gonna crack on and get that done that sounds great thank you so much amazing thank you so much for having me it was my pleasure If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, then please share with your friends and family, shout about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.